0: Welcome, everyone, to our latest NCAA Social Series. I'm Andy Katz. On this edition of our show, we're going to look at Hispanic Heritage Month. We're going to hear from an athletic administrator at a Power 5 school and a female student-athlete at a Power 5 institution. That's all coming up on the NCAA Social Series. And now joining me, Ben Rodriguez, newly at Rutgers. He's the Director of Development of Major Gifts at Rutgers University in New Jersey. And Ben, let's start first off on uh, just the overarching Hispanic Heritage Month. What does
1: it mean to you? Man, um, it, it means a lot. And first off, I'm glad, uh, thanks for having me on Andy. And uh, you know, for, for me, uh, just glad that that's something that we continue to focus on, right? And um, you know, as, as someone growing up and the last time we had a conversation, uh, I talked about my experiences in high school and college and even now on the uh, athletics administration side. Um, you know, just seeing a focus on it and knowing that, uh, you know, we're, tr- we're all trying to help grow representation for Hispanics um, in the industry, uh, to me, just means a lot.
0: All right, so let's talk about that since the last time you were on. Um, and we're specifically talking about La Casa, which is uh, the Latinx Association of Collegiate Athletic Administrators and Student Athletes. Um, from basically 2021 to 2022, Uh, academic years, where are we in terms of recruitment, engagement, and plans going forward? So you can sort of rattle those off one, two, three.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. So just talking about some of the things that we've done uh, as a group, and uh, it's not just me, right? We've got a a team of of a few others that have helped out with this. And um, so some of the things in year one, it was about creating awareness of La Casa, right? And this was really done through word of mouth, grassroots efforts, just trying to have as many conversations with as many different people as we could uh, again, just to kind of get awareness of of our group and and what we're trying to do, our mission and our vision. Um, you know, some things that we did last year, we hosted several webinars with different schools and organizations to share data, uh, explore some of the challenges, and then ultimately talk about ways in which we could all be a part of what the solution is going to be in terms of trying to grow representation of Hispanic uh, student athletes and administrators throughout the country. Uh, we had conversations with several schools about creating uh, uh, La Casa affinity groups on their campuses and so those conversations are ongoing and, uh, and we'll get some of those going here soon. Um, we created a list of Hispanic administrators right so anyone that is interested in diversifying their pool which a, a lot of folks you know have a focus on that now we've got a list of Hispanic administrators to help with that um, and and you know going into year two we're talking about you know the, the conference that we've had our eyes set on for a little bit, right? So actually making that happen. So year two, that'll be big for us. Uh, hosting more virtual networking sessions, that's gonna be huge for us as well. Uh, and then ultimately looking at different membership models, right? And, and there's a lot of folks, when we launched this last year, a lot of folks are interested, a lot of folks wanna help. Um, so looking at different, um, I guess the different membership models to see more specific ways for folks to engage uh, and, and help the cause.
0: All right, so let's go back to a new recruit comes on campus, a new freshman, excuse me, um, who, is, who is Hispanic. How does that student athlete know that La Casa exists that at some point in that freshman year or if they transferred in that they can engage with this national organization or collection of Hispanic student athletes and administrators?
1: Yeah, well, so, so the first thing I'll say is going back to those affinity groups, right? The more we can get those around different universities, different campuses, uh, I think that's going to be a huge help with that. Um, you know, so we have a few, for example, we've got some, there's one out here in Jersey, there's one out in Illinois, uh, and then we have a few out in the Texas area that have expressed interest in doing this. Um, you know, so from our perspective, if a student athlete gets on campus, you know, having them get connected to a La Casa affinity group from the jump, uh, you know, that to me, that's the best way to do this. Right. Um, again, grassroots efforts, trying to grow our membership some more, uh, having that conference. We have a really good relationship with uh, different affinity groups outside of Hispanic um, affinity groups around the country. Uh, so, you know, to me, it, it'll, it'll take some time, um, you know, but I think the, the more we continue to do that, continue to have these conversations, have folks like you highlight some of the work that we're trying to do uh, and then also have those partnerships. I think we'll continue to grow this. When
0: things happen, uh, and I'm speaking specifically of, um, you know, natural disasters, Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. parts of Florida, but especially Puerto Rico, um, you know, that has dramatically affected a number of Puerto Rican student athletes, um, whether they originally were from there, still have family there. How does La Casa reach out to individuals like that when uh, to engage when a lot of these things sort of pop up in the mainstream media, and then they sort of disappear with the next big news cycle?
1: Yeah, no, Andy, that's a great question. And, and quite honestly, we, we've not gotten there yet. Um, for us, it's a conversation that we've had. So part of the the group overall is there's going to be a community service component to that, All right, community outreach component to that. Uh, we've had some of those conversations, haven't been able to, to act on it just yet. Uh, so tough for me to answer that, but it is something that um, you know, like you, we we acknowledge that there there is help that's needed there. and um, and I think as the group continues to have those conversations and flesh out different ideas, uh, to me, I think that's a a really great way for us to try to get involved and uh, and just find different ways that we can help.
0: Yeah, and I think more than anything, and and I want to be clear here, uh yeah. is in its infancy in the larger mm-hmm. scale of college athletics. Um, what we have found in doing the show is, you know, so many, uh, groups that feel marginalized, feel isolated when certain things happen. And yeah. so then it's, you know, how can they feel a connection uh, to someone else who may be feeling those same emotions, whether they're on their campus or somewhere else around the country. And so I'm sure that that's the network that you want to hope to, com- to, to continue yeah. to build here from the ground up.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and to that point, you know, there are different conferences Around the country, that there is a, a community service component to an actual conference, right? So, for example, NACTA, I know N4A for example, they have a community service component right before NACTA kicks off for the week. Um, as we're getting ready to host a conference in the fall, that for us is a model that we want to co- emulate, right? So, uh, we we definitely are going to have a community service aspect to that. Um, it may be to help those that um, you know are, are dealing with some of those natural disasters and and. And whatnot. So we'll just have to kind of figure that out and flesh that out. But I uh, agree. No, it, it's, it's something that's important. And as an organization, uh, we definitely are going to get behind at some point.
0: Now, you, we've mentioned and sort of hinted at this conference. What do you envision that being, becoming, uh, in, if I'm not mistaken, you say in the fall, so in a year's time?
1: Yeah, so for us, um, we want to model this after the Black Student Athlete Summit. Um, You know, that was where this idea was born, um, you know, going back a couple years ago now. And so I think they do a great job of bringing folks together from around the country, different levels, you know, high level uh, executives, uh, presidents of universities, ADs of universities, coaches, student athletes, the whole deal. Uh, So that's what we want to do, bring folks together, share research, uh, have conversations about some of the challenges, you know, facing Hispanic and, and Latino people around the country in, in college athletics, uh, and then really see where it grows from there, right? Uh, you know, we don't want to uh, detail it out too much. We just want to bring folks together, and there are people way smarter than than me that, you know, we can get together and, and just have them run with it. Um, you know, ultimately, too, I think having it be in the college athletic space, but Andy, I think we talked uh, the, the first time around about bringing it down to the high school level as well, right, and, and trying to impact some folks before they even get to the college space.
0: You know, Ben, how much are you a product of, you know, what I think you hope others will follow in terms of your path of climbing up that, uh, you know, division one ladder or a college athletics ladder that now you're at a power five school in Rutgers in the big 10. How much has your path been one that hopefully others can follow?
1: I, you know what, Andy? it's a Great point. Um, for me, it starts with my father. Um, you know, he went to he went to school to play baseball at, at Fordham, and uh, you know, for me, he was the first role model for for what a college athlete could be. Um, and so, from there, there there have been others that have helped along the way. And, and, and as you know, the last time we spoke, there's there's not a lot of us right in college athletics, but the few that are there have you know been super helpful and have been more than welcoming and. And have kind of you know guided me along the way. So yeah, for us, that's that's part of La Casa. That's what we want to get to. Where um, you know those that are there now, you know, we want to make it where those that are coming behind us have a much easier job. And and again, continue to grow this thing. So uh, to your point, again, yes, a a product of those that came before me, and uh, and hopefully we can all do our part to to grow this thing some more.
0: You know, one last thing, Ben. Um, In a lot of the sort of Olympic sports, you're going to find um spanish-speaking student-athletes from other parts of the world whether it's uh you know from south america um or mexico or spain where do they fall into this and, and how much outreach does there need to be of of trying to engage them into this la casa community
1: yeah another really good point you know hispanic and it's kind of overarching and then you know those that are from the the islands, you know Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, uh, Cuba, very different culture than what you have in Central America and then and then South America. So it's it's intentionally broad uh, from, from that perspective. But uh, even looking at the founding members, right, we've got folks that uh, are, are speak Spanish, some that don't speak Spanish, right, some that identify uh, with the Black culture as well. Um, you know, so bringing all of those folks together initially and then you know, going back to an earlier question you asked, you know, a, a conference, you know, I, I can see smaller subgroups kind of forming naturally, organically uh, from this larger group, right? And so to us, it's, I think we all share uh, a lot of similar challenges, but when we all come together, breaking down some of the different challenges across the way, um, you know, that's gonna be really, for me, that's gonna be really fun, right? To see that, because I'm, I'm coming from a, a background where my grandparents were born in Puerto Rico. So I've, I've got a strong affinity there. Um, but I, myself, will learn a lot more about other cultures. Um, and, and to me, that's that's the beauty of what La Casa I think, can bring to the table.
0: Ben, I appreciate it. Um, I know we will continue to engage with you, and we want you to keep updating us as we get closer to, obviously, this goal of having this conference. Um, congratulations on your new job at Rutgers, and stay in touch.
1: All right, Andy, thank you. Appreciate it.
0: And joining me now, Marise Aguilar from Boston College's women's tennis player. She's the number one singles and doubles player uh, at BC. And Marise, let's first start in general. What does Hispanic Heritage Month mean to you?
2: Uh, for me, I feel like it's a great opportunity for um, Latinos and Latinas to like get together and like share like their experiences and also like share our like. For example, like food preferences from like our home and everything and share it with like everyone else. So I feel like it's, that's what it means to me.
0: Student athletes across the country, um, especially those that may not feel uh, that they've sort of found their way. Um, how critical is it for Hispanic student athletes to find that connection when in a lot of cases on a lot of campuses, you may be the only one.
2: I feel like it's really important to get to know people that are like in the same page as you. Because I feel like, for example, my first year here at BC, I was like a little bit alone in that kind of sense. since you know, you're entering something new and like s- such a big part of your life. And I feel like knowing people that are like in the same, um, like, in the same page or like in the same like situation as you i feel like it's something that like could help you go through like other experiences
0: what would be the best way for student athletes whether it's on a campus in a conference or across the country to be connected
2: maybe um like social media could be like a great way to like bring people together
0: you are from puerto rico um When I saw you in person a couple of weeks ago in Newport at the ITHF uh, Women's Doubles Tournament, that was right after Hurricane Fiona. Um, And that struck obviously very personally to you because that's your, uh, you know, where you're from and had been devastated. So first off, let me just find out just how are things going for you uh, from what you can tell at home
2: um uh, so my family right now is they're doing pretty well um the hurricane didn't affect my area as much as other areas in Puerto Rico so I'm really thankful for that but I really do you know sympathize with like the people that are um struggling because there are still people struggling with like getting food and water and things like that but um thank god then my um family's doing well
0: all right well that's good to hear but uh, you know in, in that same vein how can you know student athletes and organizations uh, across the ncaa help when there are natural disasters in communities like puerto rico to get that word out to get the help
2: um i feel like even like interviews like interviewing like people that are like from those places like how you did to me and like put that on social media so that people can hear about it and say like, oh, like I wanna help. And like, I wanna give food, water. And I feel like that's a good way to help help in those situations.
0: Well, and we did that certainly a couple of weeks ago and and the help still is there. Uh, It's unfortunate in our news cycle, you know. then here comes Hurricane Ian in Florida and Puerto Rico sort of gets lost. Um, You know, as a Puerto Rican student athlete, coming north uh, to, to Boston College, what was that experience like, or what has it been like in that transition uh, from Puerto Rico to BC?
2: It was definitely very different. Um, I come from literally uh, warm weather, and here you just right into the cold. But um, I feel like it was it was hard at first because I would get, like, homesick, and I would also with my Spanish, like, I would – you know, I'm like used to speaking Spanish all the time, and then going to a place where you only speak English is, you know, it's tough. But you know, I got used to it, and I love it here.
0: You know, the other thing, your doubles partner Laura Lopez, she's from, if I'm not mistaken, Barcelona. Um, and you know, there is this tendency that you know Hispanics are not monolithic. Uh, mm-hmm. Puerto Ricans different than Cubans, Mexican Spanish. Um, how can those connections? occur but also celebrate the diversity within the Hispanic community here in Hispanic Heritage Month. Uh so that it's not just sort of a blanket uh you know celebration when there's so many different cultures and communities within that giant umbrella.
2: Yeah. Um when I when I entered the BC women's tennis team when I um found out that Laura was from Spain I would like in my mind I was like oh my god thank god someone speaks Spanish in the team. So um, I feel like, yeah, it's, it's really good to like know people from all around like Cuba or like even like Spain, because you can know like, like you can like relate to them because of they speak Spanish, but like you can also like differentiate, differentiate from them because it's totally different.
0: How can administrators better help student athletes who come from primarily Spanish speaking
2: backgrounds? Maybe creating like a, like a meeting where like all like Latinos or like Spanish speaking people um, can like communicate and like feel comfortable in that environment. And yeah, I feel like just getting to talk with like people could be good.
0: You know, especially in your sport, um, men's and women's tennis recruit internationally all the time. Uh, a lot of the coaches do not speak these languages. Uh, how has that been in terms of, you know, even the recruiting process of dealing with the language barrier?
2: Um, it's tough because sometimes um, when I try to like express something, it doesn't come out the way that I wanted it to be. But I feel like my coach, he knows and like he understands. So I feel like it's fine.
0: You know, th- this is also a population that is growing within college athletics. Um, you know, in your brief career here, when you're going around and playing other schools around the country, how much are you seeing, at least the beginnings of more his, uh, you know, Spanish-speaking uh, women's tennis players or student athletes, even on the BC campus, but or in the ACC, um, you know, in the past at least couple of years.
2: Yeah, I've seen a lot of people of student athletes um, speaking Spanish. So I was, I remember the other day I was going to my class, and there was this golf player. And I would just like talk in English and she was like, oh, I'm from Dominican Republic. And I was like, oh, like, I was just like, so amazed. And Like I was talking about this with my roommate that's from Venezuela, which is also on the BC tennis team. Um, We've been like noticing like a lot of like Latinos and um, in the different sports more often. So I feel like that's great.
0: (laughs) You know, one last thing, uh, Marisa, this this is great in the student-athlete community. The next level of coaches, administrators, athletic directors, commissioners, that pool is really small. What do you hope we see in five years, ten years, within the college athletic space in the growth of Hispanics rising up within college athletics?
2: Um, hopefully there could be more because um, right now I feel like um, – A lot of coaches and a lot of, like, trainers and everyone is American, which is nothing bad, of course. But I would, like, personally, I would like to see more people that speak Spanish around that um, environment. So I feel like everyone, like, could be good.
0: Well, Marise, you're off to a great start this year with BC. Continued great success. I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. And again, a thank you to our guests, Ben Rodriguez and Marise Aguiar. As always, you can go to ncaa.org slash social series where all our social series are archived. Thanks for watching, everyone.